This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody, and this is the wake-up call. It is the 17th day of July, 2021. We are taping this on Thursday night, the 16th. I still I still don't have Internet in North Carolina. The good news is I will have Internet next week, so uh, we'll actually be able to do some stuff live. I can't wait. But as always, for every Friday show, we are joined by Dan Zampano. And, Dan, uh, first of all, uh, good evening, because let's be honest, well, it's, it's good evening. But uh, we're going to talk about the – COVID mess that is the NFL right now. And this fits in perfectly with you because, folks, our buddy Dan Zampano caught COVID. The good news is I can't catch it through the phone line. So, uh, Dan, how you feeling, buddy? I feel okay, Gene. Um, I will say this. Be careful about that one. We did a show last night, and I've got my producer now is is possibly got COVID. After we did the show last night, we did it on Zoom. So oh, I'm great. nervous now no, that that's too. how they're spreading it, you know? <laughs> like So I'm trying to I, – I, I don't know how they got me. It had been a year and nine months. I've been bobbing and weaving. I've lived with people that had COVID, never got it, finally got it. So – uh, feel feel much better now in day eight of quarantine, but oh. it's good because, you know, when you're in quarantine, what do you do? You just get in the dungeon, you watch film, and you watch football, so it's great. Uh, let's start off with uh, a little Urban Meyer talk. Uh, he finally got fired. Uh, I think everybody's been waiting for that shoe to drop for a long time. Um <clears throat> You know, at this point, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I don't understand why you do it now. There's only four games left in the season. It's not like you're going to turn anything around. But I guess they probably just got tired of the embarrassing headlines, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it's like, uh, you know, what's the point of keeping them around? You know? <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, I, it's it's is anybody want to come play for Jacksonville next year? Right. You know, with him at the helm? Right. I mean, now you got stories of – not just, uh, you know, the improprieties in, in, in bars in Ohio and, and all these different things, but you've got guys, uh, his, his coaching staff's a bunch of losers. I don't know if you knew this, <laughs> but um, they, they're a bunch of losers yep. and they've never done anything in the league. Right. Uh, little does Urban know that it's his first year in the NFL. Yeah. And the um, and then the, the topper was the, the five out of ten kick, which I thought was a great – uh, description by the kicker right. there of him getting kicked by the by by Urban. He called it a five out of ten <laughs> kick, which was great. Uh, I mean, and he knows because he kicks for for a living. Yeah, right. So you know, I mean, it was it was a heck of a line, but uh, yeah, guys, a complete embarrassment, sham, and the only thing he should be kicking is rocks because well, that's <laughs> that that's that's all that uh, that's all that Urban Meyer is worth. He's a complete he's a walking contradiction. He talks the talk, he does not walk the walk. Yeah, and this is you know, I love the guy. And this is the guy who wrote a book about leadership, right? It's, it's yeah. uh, it, that, How ironic is that? But, you know, the thing is, is that he's going to laugh all the way to the bank. He's got a five-year contract. they got to pay him, you know, so he's going to get paid. For, for yeah, he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. He's owed $50 million. Right. 
but I doubt that he sees all that money, judging by the fact that he was fired for cause. So I'm 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 imagining there'll be some type of some, lawyer, some, some kind of a buyout of some kind. Yeah, yeah, he'll get something. He won't get that whole fifty million. But uh, to me, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's a it's a somebody he should write a book on failed leadership. Is really <laughs> what he should write one on. I mean, seriously, you you look at the everything that he did was counterproductive to what they were trying to build. In Jacksonville, think about Jacksonville's situation, how good the situation was for him to go into. Right. You've got him down in North Florida where, you know, he has a house down there. He's got Cachet down there being the Florida coach. He he has the number one overall pick. They've got mountains of money to spend in cap. And 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 you treat your, your players like they're a bunch of, you know, five-star uh, high school athletes. Right. This is the NFL, man. This ain't college. Right. You know, like these people are professional. These are grown, as they say in the business, these are grown ass men. Right. Well, you know, yeah. and, 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 and you treat them as kids. They're not going to respect you. It's just not the way it works. And I think he failed to understand how different the NFL is from college football in terms of how to treat players and coaches at this level. Well, you know, and, and I, I am certainly not sticking up for Urban Meyer by any sense. Trust me. But he is not the first coach that has made the jump from college to pro sports in in not just in football, but in basketball. We've seen it. Uh, We've seen it, you know, in in other sports that they don't quite get the difference between how you talk and how you coach and how you deal with players uh, between the college and pro levels. They you know, I mean, ask John Calipari how it worked out for him. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You know, I mean, so he's not the first one that's made that mistake. That's for sure. Yeah, and I think, again, the reason for being is that you can't just go out and get a bunch of five-star recruits. Right. That's not how it works. Like, right. you got to pay these guys. You got These are guys doing this for profession, for their living. They, they, if anything, are more stable, Of most of them, are more stable than any of the college kids that you're going to get. You're not trying to mold these guys, I mean, for the most part. Right. What you're trying to do is develop their talent to make them even better. And, and by, by treating them like, you know, they're nothing and they've never done anything in their life to get to the NFL as a, as a football player is so incredibly difficult right. that, you know, to disrespect that is to lose the complete trust and to, to not gain any trust or respect in your locker room. And I think that urban, hopefully learned that but again you know he said a lot of things over the years and this is listen i have been extremely critical of urban meyer over the years because of his the way he's recruited certain people that he has recruited um hiring hiring practices hiring practices (laughs) with the the strength coach from iowa i mean you know i it's it's one after another after another and he's gotten away with it because he's been at big brands right. that he's won at, like Florida and like Ohio State. Guess what? This ain't Florida. This is the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is the big time. And and I think he learned it, learned the hard way, and he paid the price. Well, I had breakfast this morning with uh, uh, Paula Giri from ESPN and uh, MiddlesexCountySports.com, and mm-hmm. he asked me this question. I'm going to ask you the same question. Has there ever been a coach that has made as many missteps in his career at both the college and the professional level and recovered from that? Basically, what he what he asked me was, do we ever hear from Urban Meyer again? 
I don't know. I think Urban probably has to go away for a while. Um, I, I just I think he's lost the trust in. Maybe he pulls. You know who he reminds me of is cool. uh, is Rick Rick Pitino. A little bit, you know? okay. A, a little bit That's in fair. that situation is that you know you get yourself in trouble and you get it. You get uh, you have all the success in in the world and you get yourself in trouble and you know the world comes kind of crashing down. And you got to go away for a you, while. You go coaching and, Greece. Yeah, I go coaching Greece, and now he's at I. Now he's at Iona. Right. I mean, you know, and and, and doing a good job there, and maybe Urban, maybe that's the next path for him. But it, it's all a, it, it's a three three letters are what Urban is going to be remembered for for his Jacksonville uh, tenure, and that's E G O, ego. And as soon <laughs> as soon as he understands that and can humble himself, then he can get back into what he wants to do, and that's coach football. Until he does that, uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out, bud. Well, that, uh, you know, I, I, but I hadn't thought about the Patino. That, that Patino, is, is, that's probably about as close as you're going to come. So it'll be interesting. And if, but, but if you're Urban Meyer at this point too, Dan, I mean, you've made a boatload of money. So, I mean, I guess it's just a question of whether his ego is bigger than his common sense, yes? I think you should go talk to Urban Meyer after saying something like that. Seriously. I mean, that's, that's the nail on the head right there to me. So, but again, his ego is so large and he wants to coach football. So I imagine that he'll try to get involved in something. I have no idea what it can be, but as for now, it's not going to be anytime soon. All right, well, let's get to the games from last week. And uh, I, I'm going to start off with, with the, uh, the last game of the week. Uh, and and that was the Arizona Rams game, and mm. uh, you know we you know last week we're talking about Arizona is the best team. You know Arizona is the team to beat, and you know the way Kyler Murray's playing right now, that you know how are you going to beat them. And last week the Rams, I guess you shouldn't say they shocked the world because I mean this is a Rams team that has won some games, but you like we said last week, who have they beaten? Well, now they've mm. beaten a team that was ten and two. And and really, I mean, do you chalk it up to the fact that just Kyler Murray wasn't at his best last week? Um, you know, I actually thought Kyler, yeah, he cost him in a couple of spots, had a bad red zone interception uh early in the game, uh, and then obviously later on had another one and you know, give the Rams credit. Look, they, they confused him. We've known that there are times where Kyler can uh get confused when throwing out of the pocket. There's no question, and that's due to his size, um, but especially in a condensed spot. But Kyler's an amazing player. Yeah. You know, there's no question about that. The Rams just played uh, overall better, especially offensively. They they kind of figured out how to how to block the Cardinals and how to get the ball out quicker. And Stafford really was spinning it well on on Monday night. Give them credit, and even Odell Beckham getting in the end zone. So, you know, for the Rams, it's a good win. Um, I think for the Cardinals, it gives them a chance to kind of recalibrate and reassess. They are no longer in the number one seed for the NFC, right. and nobody is happier than Tampa, um, and nobody is happier than Green Bay, So, yeah, who is the number one seed. So as we said last week, Tampa needs it the most out of all three teams. Um, but I think that uh, I do think that Arizona is still a contender. It doesn't change much in my eyes. 
it's just kind of a letdown spot for them. I thought it was a spot play for the Rams to get back. I do. I, it hasn't changed anything in terms of uh, in terms of how I tier the NFC, but I, I do think that NFC, that uh, Arizona is still a capable football team. Do you think the loss of DeAndre Hopkins, because they've now said he's going to miss the rest of the regular season, does that impact mm-hmm. them going down the stretch? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, look, what they want to do is win this division. I think that's the biggest thing for them. If they can just win the division, you might be able to get DeAndre Hopkins back for the playoffs. Right. So, you know, for you to get him back, that would be a very, very solid thing to happen. Then, you know, you just got to hold on water here. And I don't think they necessarily have a ton of, I know they play the Cowboys late down the stretch um, later on and, uh, I'm blanking on who they play this week. I don't think they have a very tough game. No, but, they don't. Um, they uh, they they're they're playing the Lions. That's what yeah. they're playing. But uh, they should be okay. Well, they, I, they I still think. they do have the, the other tough game they've got left. They've got to play Indianapolis on Christmas Day. Ah, uh, yeah. You know that that'll be a tough one. But they're at Detroit. They're at Dallas. And then they've got Indy at home, and they've got Seattle at home. I mean, it, to me. I mean, Indy and Dallas are the only games there that you really have to worry about. Although, again, with Seattle, you never know. You know, just when you think they're dead, they come up with a big game. So, uh, right. but they still do have a couple of tough ones, no question about that. But the other thing I want to talk about in that game last week is Cooper Cup made some catches last week that are unbelievable. Oh. I mean, look, I know this guy is like what he's like leading the league in receptions, but a couple of the catches that he made last week were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, no and, question. And, and you know, and you say you know Matt Stafford had a great game. Cooper Cup made Matthew Stafford look pretty good because there were uh, some of the, a couple of those catches that he made. Th- they had no business being complete complete passes. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Isn't it? I mean, that guy really is working himself. He's a smart football player. He understands how to run routes yep. and how to view coverages before the plays even happen. Yep. Um, I think that Cup is Cup is a, a godsend for him. And I, it's amazing. It's like you know, you don't think to double cover that guy. You know, I mean, seriously, yeah. I and mean, yeah. the guy's not, he's, he's only leading the league in receptions, you right. know, no big deal. Right. Uh, we're not going to double team him. Sure. Let him run around, let him, let him kill us underneath. It's not getting us to getting them big plays, but I mean, there, he basically glorified, you know, running game for them. Right. And it's great. I mean, and, and you're picking up 10, 12 yards a clip. I mean, the guy's fantastic. I completely agree. Uh, another game last week and uh, your Cleveland Browns come up with a victory. Um, and, uh, you know, beating the Baltimore Ravens, as you said, this is, you know, it's, it's not the same Ravens team. Lamar Jackson gets hurt in this game. Huntley has to come in. Huntley, look, I'll say this. You know, they may have lost Lamar Jackson, and, but you don't really miss him in the passing game. Where you miss him is his ability uh, to run the football. But in the pocket, I mean, Huntley did a pretty good job last week. You really can't complain about that. But that was a win that the Cleveland Browns had to have to have any chance, didn't they? A hundred percent. They they could not afford to lose that game, and they got up early, which was uh, which was huge for them. And once again, the Ravens' offensive line continues to be their issue. Uh, pressure coming on Lamar, he ends up getting hurt again. Right. And we we had a feeling that that was that was something that could be dangerous coming down the stretch. And we talked about it. We said Cleveland uh, Cleveland was going to win the game, and the reason it was being was the D line. Now they almost gave it all back. Right. You know, at the end of the game, to a backup quarterback. And I think maybe if Lamar is in the game, who knows? Maybe maybe they win that game, Baltimore. So, you know, to me, uh, you know, Cleveland certainly, um, you know, much needed win. But it doesn't. Again, it it didn't really change anything for me in terms of 
where they're at at this point. They're still kind of in a in, in a spot where their season still teeters on on uh, each week. You know, they're yeah. they're kind of on the head of a needle, and now they may not have anybody to play this right. week. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a complete mess. Yeah, we Odell. I mean, uh, Baker Mayfield is out this week. Their head coach is out this week. They, what they have like eleven guys down or something ridiculous like that. But you know. Even this week aside, if you look at Cleveland's remaining schedule, you could make the case that they have the toughest remaining schedule in the NFL. They have Vegas this week. They have to play at Green Bay on Christmas Day. Then they have to go to Pittsburgh, and then they finish the season against a pretty good Cincinnati team. That is a rough schedule in the Final Four. And if if they go into this game this week without without all those players, I mean, you you almost have to just – you know, you almost throw up the white flag this week, don't you? you they, because not only is Baker Mayfield, I, you told me just before we went on the air, that their backup's out as well. Yeah, Case Keenum's out, but it sounds like he's not going to be able to go. And good old Mississippi mudslinger Nick Mullins is coming out, and, and which is which is fantastic. I'm sure, you know, pick him up in your fantasy leagues. Um, you know, so so to me, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, who wants this division? Yeah. That's what I'm taking. I mean, who wants it? You got Ravens completely banged up. Probably the most injured. They're the infirmary of the league this year. Cleveland COVID all over the place. Stefanski's not even going to coach in this right. game. Game all this COVID. Pittsburgh is, you know, Pittsburgh can't get out of their own way. They don't even know how to run a two-minute drive. They got kids running down the field. They're trying to get the ball uh, snapped off the line of scrimmage, and they're celebrating like they got a first down, like they yeah. won the game already. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Cincinnati, Cincinnati's lost two in a row. Right. So, I mean, you know, wh- who are they? Yeah. You know, they got a they got a hurt quarterback too with his finger. So the funny part God, is, that, what a mess. Well, the funny part is though, you know, you look at this division. Who wants it? But guess what? Every team in that AFC North is five hundred or better. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not like these is this is a bunch of stink bombs like the NFC East was last year, right? I mean, all these teams are five hundred or better, but it looks like going down the stretch, this is going to be just a battle of attrition. I mean, who's who's going to have enough players to play? Yeah, but it's like, remember last week we were talking about the AFC West and how good it was yeah. because, you know, they hadn't had a, a, a backup quarterback start a game. Right. Well, like this is the, the, the I mean, all these teams are above 500. Yeah, they've sure. all had a backup quarterback. They, they've all had one. <laughs> exactly. You're right. So it's, you know, it's like, and and they're all banged up. They're all badly injured. It's Can we just cancel the AFC North this year? Maybe just not give them a playoff spot and we'll just, we'll just have the other teams that are actually like, you know, we're actually going to be able to watch good football. I mean, let this Sunday, to be honest with you, it was a terrible one o'clock late yeah. and the four o'clock saved it a little bit but man i mean there was some some real lousy football played last week you know um i got a couple of games from last week i want to talk about but i want to get back to the covid thing talking about what's going on with the browns you know for anybody sitting at home and thinking well you know i'm vaccinated and you know this covid thing eh, it's it's overblown yada yada yada. 97 percent of the nfl players have been vaccinated and yet look at what is going on around the league this week where every team is dealing with multiple players that are not going to be available. So anybody that thinks this thing is over, I mean, you don't have to look any farther than 97% vaccinated and yet we're still losing players uh, being able to play. I mean, it's it's amazing. It, it is amazing. And to me, um, I've kind of said this from the beginning of COVID is – you know, to me, this is not going away. 
Right. I mean, this is not something that's just, you know, we're going to eradicate anytime soon. Like this, this is here. This is to stay. I mean, look at all the variants that you got changing up and, and all these people are vaccinated. All of the, the 97% of the league, a hundred percent of the coaching staffs and everybody's still getting it. So, you know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you know, be vigilant in what's going on. Um, it certainly is depending on what variant you get and this, that, and the other, depending on what vaccine you get, this, that, and the other is, right. is, is, uh, is imperative. And so, you know, to me, in terms of a team and we kind of talk about this, um, Belichick kind of talks about this every year, actually, is, you know, when it starts to become December, uh, the flu season, what have you, they really put an emphasis on getting guys healthy and staying healthy, washing hands, you know, not going anywhere. And now there's talk in Miami that they could go into a, uh, a, a kind of self-quarantine bubble themselves. Right as a team. So, I mean, this is really going to be interesting how the league handles this in the playoffs. We know how, how fast and loose the league plays with, with rules when it concerns the bottom line. So, you know, uh, we'll see, we'll, 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 we'll see how it affects teams going down the stretch. There was just a story that uh, broke in the uh, Boston globe about a half an hour or so ago that the NFL is updating all its protocols, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but, you know, really at this point, unless you're going to put teams in a self-imposed bubble, I'm not sure what you can do. I'll tell you the one thing that I've noticed, and, and I don't know if you, you've probably noticed that you're, you're down south where, you know, um, a lot of people don't wear masks. But, you know, even though we're vaccinated now, as soon as everybody got vaccinated, they just figured it was okay to take the mask off. And, and people that were unvaccinated said, well, if they don't have to wear one, I'm not either. I mean, I almost think that, yeah, okay, we're vaccinated, but maybe we should all still be wearing masks. Maybe these guys, you know, maybe we have gotten too lax about that part of it in the NFL, even though they're vaccinated. Maybe maybe we need to get back to that. I, I don't know. I don't know how much more you can do at this point. I, I don't know the situation uh, I don't know the solution rather to the situation uh, because, you know, like you said, I mean, anybody can turn around this whole argument and now say, well, you know, everybody's vaccinated. They're still getting it. So what's the point? Right. You know, right. type of thing. So, you know, to me, I'm, I'm not going to speculate. I'm, I'm the football guy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's my father. Right. Who's your, the doctor, your and, the doctor I right. and I refer to him. Yeah. So, you know, to me, uh, you know, I don't know what the solution is. We're going to have football um, and we're going to have to follow the protocols and whatever it goes. But as the season goes on, it's going to be imperative for teams to probably tighten up on exactly who you're seeing right. uh, for the rest of the season. So let's get back to the games last week and get away from Dr. Kildare. Uh <laughs> The uh, the battle of the gunslingers last week, and not just the battle of the gunslingers, the battle of the invisible defenses as the Tampa Bay Bradys took on the uh, Buffalo Bills. Uh, Tampa wins the game in overtime. Uh, the two teams combined for damn near a thousand yards of offense. 466 for Buffalo, 488 for Tampa. So this was just a matter of it was almost like whoever has the ball last wins. Yeah, who's the fastest gun in the West? It's un mean, unreal. You know, I mean, it, and and I'll tell you what, Buffalo played like absolute horse manure for the first Horses, half, yeah. and you know, uh, Tampa just came out and took it to them. Now Tampa had a great opportunity to really put the whole game away. 
Yeah, at the end of the half, they weren't able to come through with a score. And then the beginning of the second half, they weren't, weren't either. And that gave Buffalo some life. All of a sudden, Josh Allen starts to figure out that defense. And, you know, we know the Bucks have had trouble in the secondary. All of a sudden, out comes Cole Beasley making every catch under the sun. Dawson Knox, Stephon Diggs, everybody's making big-time catches. And this game all of a sudden ends up in overtime. Right Now, a lot of the Bills Mafia will complain and say it shouldn't have even gotten oh, to overtime wow. with the pass interference calls and what have you. Right. Or maybe the non-calls, I should say. But the uh, Bucks give him credit. You know, Brady made a good throw, and uh, they got him caught in a certain defense in a way Brashad Perriman went and won the game. But I'll tell you something, Gene. I don't think either quarterback actually played as well as the, as the box score indicates. I, I really don't. I think that's I fair. Thought, yeah. I thought Josh Allen played horrible in the first half, obviously, had a good, great second half. I thought Brady was missing some throws in that second half yep. that were just so was, many opportunities. There was there. one throw he made over the middle to a guy that was wide open, and he threw it down. It ended up being an incomplete pass because he short-hopped it, and he just seemed a little bit off. I mean, you look at his final numbers, and you go, well, geez, he threw for 363 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. You know, great game. Not really. It really wasn't. You're right. He, he was No, he no. Was, he he was had that ball over. That ball over the middle, the Godwin on third down hit him in the feet. It was wide that's open. That's the one I'm I mean, talking was, about. Yeah, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that was that was not good. They had a couple of seam balls up the seams yep. that were, that he missed as well. I mean, it was it was like, geez, are they going to be able to pull this game out? And they ended up doing it. And God, did it help because of the Cardinals losing? So, you know, to me, uh, Tampa still has improved. They're not a perfect team. Right. There's no question about that. But they are still head and shoulders above, you know, a majority of the NFC. And as I've as I've said previously, Arizona and Green Bay are the only two I put in the class with them. Um, my question to you: If Josh Allen doesn't hurt that foot at the end of the game, do you think it it, it turns out differently? No, 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 no. No, you no. don't think so. I mean, they dug themselves a hole. The Bills are in trouble. The Bills got to win this week. Yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously, like, it, it's like they're playing Carolina, and Carolina is going to be left for dead by everybody. But right. you know, I mean, they got to win, and they got to win convincingly, just to get some confidence. They got to play New England at New England next week. Right. Like, this is and this is huge. So they're going to be rooting for the Colts hard. And if the Colts beat New England on on Saturday night, Buffalo is all of a sudden controlling their own destiny. So it, right. it's it's seriously it's seriously important. This is a very important. Week for stability for the Bills. Another uh, overtime game last week as the uh, San Francisco uh, 49ers come through and uh, they beat the Cincinnati Bengals on the road. Uh, a big confidence booster for that 49ers team, but that's a tough loss for Cincinnati at home. Again, in that division that we just talked about, who the hell wants to win this thing? And you know what? Uh, you can't ask a lot more out of Joe Burrow other than the fact that our offensive line is going to get him killed. He got sacked five times again. But when he was upright, he was pretty good. Yeah, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, in the fourth quarter, he was absolutely nails. He looked like a generational talent that yep. we know we can be. So, um, but the first three quarters were a complete mess for the Bengals. Yep. I mean, complete mess. And they got themselves dug into too much of a hole. Um, so, again, it was very similar to the Bucks bills game where you had it looked good from a box score perspective, but 
It ended up he got sacked a bunch of times again. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo got sacked five times. Right. Yeah. Held on to the ball for about 20 years of my life. I'm sitting there <laughs> saying to myself, is Jimmy Garoppolo purposely trying to get himself killed? Like, uh, it, it's unbelievable. But I'll tell you, the best player on the field, no question about it, in that game was George, George Kittle. Kittle. Yeah. I mean, he was in, he's yeah. the best tight end in football. Do you think it's not he, even close. Yeah, you like him better than Travis Kelsey? Oh, yeah. And it's not even close. Okay. I mean, the guy, the guy, he is the most valuable non-quarterback to his team in the league. Because when he's on the field, they have a run game because he's able to sit right next to Trent Williams, yep. one of the great tackles of our generation, and plow people over. And he makes some incredible catches that he has no business. That that ten fingertip catch was incredible right. that he made, yep. uh, big time, uh, and and had some plays in overtime as well. Again, though, I I felt that there was just a lot of mistakes made by both teams, and San Francisco, God love them. Uh, they forced the Bengals to break the "don't bother" rule. If you're not going to win the game, don't bother coming back. <laughs> well, but the, the but the you know the thing for San Francisco that's a huge game because now they have put themselves squarely in playoff talk, uh, conversation. You know, mm-hmm. that, if they don't win that game, you know it's going to be a, a much tougher road. But they've put themselves in a position now where you know I mean who knows if they have a strong finish. You know, this is a team that could make the plays. And if you look at their schedule. It's not going to be easy. I mean, they've got Atlanta this week, but they have to play at Tennessee and they have to play at the Rams. Those are going to be two difficult games. No question about that. No question, but I'll tell you what. If San Francisco gets in the playoffs, dangerous team. Dangerous team. All right, let's get to the games this week. Now, obviously, we're not going to talk about the Thursday night game that's about to happen, but that's uh, that's one that if the Chargers can win that game on Thursday night, uh, we're going to have chaos in the AFC. I mean, and I think there's a good chance chaos. they can. Yeah, I, I think mean, there's a good chance the game they can. is in Los Angeles, and then uh, so that would uh, that would throw things wide open if that's happened. So let's get to Saturday's games, uh, and we don't we usually save you picking the Patriot game for last, but we're going to start off with that one. Um, this was interesting to me. The game is at Indianapolis. Uh, Patriots obviously a red hot team, and Indy comes into this game at home. They are a two and a half point favorite over the Patriots. Does that surprise you? Uh, initially, yes, it did. Um, I, I was a little shocked, especially considering that the Patriots are coming off of a bye week. Right. Um, and now Indianapolis so is, Indy, is but, also right. coming off of a bye week, but still, I, you know, with Belichick in the two weeks off, it, it gives you a chance. And I'll tell you something, what the, the Patriots like to do on the bye week is they like to do some, uh, in-house cleaning. And they like to assess what they do right and do wrong during the bye week. Then during the week, they're going to be looking at the Colts. So, you know, to me, this is a this is actually a very bad matchup for the Patriots. To me, I I think that Jonathan Taylor uh, presents a unique challenge because the Patriots are going to have to interiorly figure out a way to stop that run game of the Colts. And if the Colts Colts are going to have to, you know, again, control this game with control with pace of play, have Carson Wentz make a couple of plays here and there, but don't lose the game. The Colts are the number one team in the league in turnover differential. They're plus 13. I think the Patriots are number three. They're plus 10. So, you know, it's, it's two teams that really are very good at, at keeping the ball and very good at taking it away. So these teams are very, very similar Two really great offensive lines two very stout D lines, but the Patriots we know have had issues against the run. So that is a concern. 
The one thing about the Colts, though, is that they have made mistakes late in games. And I think what Belichick is going to try and do, of course, is he is going to try and attack the physicality of the Colts' front seven because as good as they are and as fast as they are, they're not necessarily the most physical football team. Okay. So uh, to me, it's going to be a lot of running in this game. We're not seeing three passes is it gonna like, be, is like it gonna, last time. Is it going to be ground and pound, you think, for the Patriots? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely believe that. I think it's going to be ground and pound on the fast track. Um, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see if they run a, maybe a little bit more zones concept instead of instead of what they did in Buffalo. But uh, outside of that, um, force Wentz to make a mistake. They're going to try and force Wentz to make a mistake, you and know, that's and. You know, the other thing that's interesting about this is I was just looking at it, and the Patriots have yet to lose on the road. They are six yeah. six and zero away from home, and Indianapolis is below five hundred at home. They are a three and four team in the dome. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if, if that's truly a factor. or it, I mean, it could just be as simple as, you know, who you're playing at home versus who you're playing on the road. But still, I mean, that's kind of another thing to look at. The Patriots have been a very good road team, so they obviously don't get too intimidated uh, by playing in front of uh, enemy fans. And we've seen also this year just a trend in the league is that these short road dogs, and by short road dogs, I mean dogs of less than three points, have done very, very well winning outright. So, you know, to me, um, this is going to be a tough game. It's going to be physical. I think, though, that the Patriots do have enough to get it done this week. Uh, after that game against Buffalo, they won a situational game. Now they're coming indoors to run the same exact offense, and they're going to be able to throw the football. I think I think that's going to be key. Can Mac Jones recognize the zones, though, because mm-hmm. this is going to be huge. Tam- Indianapolis runs the Tampa 2 zone defense. And it's gonna; those zones are gonna close up really quickly. So he's got to make very quick recognitions. He's very good at that. I think Wentz makes one, one too many mistakes in the fourth quarter. That's where the Patriots want to win the game, and they'll win it in the fourth. I think they'll win. You know, it was interesting too, and and this is almost a case of you know people looking for something to write about, but all of a sudden, uh, Mac Jones p- appears on the injury list this week because of a thumb. But you find out it's his non-throwing hand, so that's not really something that the the Patriots have to worry about too much. So I wouldn't think. No, no, I don't. I don't think so. Unless, at all. In fact, I mean, unless he's getting weeks. unless he's getting sacked five times, then maybe you got to worry a little <laughs> bit. But, but. A little bit. I I don't know if you saw this, but in the Indiana Star, them writing about how uh, this is a revenge game of deflate game. Oh, I did see that. What a joke! What a like, joke! Oh. My goodness. I mean, get, get over it. Over it. <laughs> exactly Seriously. Right. I did see that. Yeah, that's good. I, that's a good one. I, I'd forgotten the 2014, that. 2014 AFC finalist banner will look great up there. Yeah, which, Trust yeah me. and which, by the way, you got your ass kicked in the game, and Deflate Gate had nothing to do with it because it wasn't like you lost the game by seven points. So stop it. Oh, All right, let's get to the next one. Uh, interesting game here, although maybe not so much. The only reason that maybe it's close is because the game is on the road. Tennessee is at Pittsburgh. Tennessee just a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against the Steelers. Uh, I assume that line makes you uh, pretty giddy, I would assume, I, you know, well, because look, it's I'm, so short. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, mean, I would take, you know, I would take Tennessee all day. Fantastic. So I'll take the Steelers. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think this, this is going to be a good one. Do you really? going to be a good one. Really? Oh, yeah, I love it. I okay. love the Steelers. Right. I think that I think the Steelers, that Tennessee is the most over, one of the most overrated teams. I mean, seriously, they're, they're an incredibly overrated team. 
incredibly overrated well, because you know, their offense their offense yeah. is not very good. Well, yeah. I mean they they had they had three point eight yards a play against the Jacksonville. Well, Jaguars you know when you lose week. your when you lose your running back, it doesn't help. You know, well, of course, but think about this, Gene. They haven't. They've only had one instance in the last five weeks. So for the last five weeks, the leading rusher yeah. has not had more than forty-seven yards. Oh wow. 47 yards rushing. This is like one of the worst rush defenses in the league in Pittsburgh, and I have no issue taking Pittsburgh because okay. I don't think Tennessee's going to run the ball. Okay. I really I think they're that stubborn. That's fair. Pittsburgh is going to get after Tannehill. Okay. I mean, they're going to get after him. The one thing they do is they get sacks, and they're going to go get them. Tennessee is not good on the offensive line and protecting Tannehill. He's been he's been you know getting hit left and right out there. Mike Tomlin as a home underdog as like 13 3 and 2 like he's like incredible. So, you know, I I really I really like the Steelers this week in an upset. Well, and this will be an interesting conversation next week. All right, uh, <laughs> the uh, we I was going to give you the Vegas Cleveland game but because of the COVID situation, I got off of that one real quick cuz that could be a bloodbath. Uh, instead, we're going to go uh, to San Francisco. Atlanta is at San Francisco. Now, San Francisco is a 9-point favorite and on the face of it you'd say well that should be an easy win for san francisco yet this is an atlanta team that had a really nice performance last week and this is an atlanta team that is still in playoff contention at six and seven a win this week makes you know gives them some hope uh but nine points that's a big number and the way the way the way it shakes out doesn't just give them some hope they could be in after if they win, yeah. you know, this week. It, they could be at least on the inside looking out. Right, because so, New Orleans is going to lose this week. So uh, yeah. New Orleans playing Tampa. You've got the, the Bears uh, and the Vikings. And who knows what the Vikings are going to do this right, week. And right. Philly, Philly and Washington, one of those two teams is going to lose. So, right. you know, I mean, watch out. I mean, I, I am stunned that Atlanta – has done what they've done, and it's a credit, and it's it's a credit to Dean Pease and the defensive coordinator. He's figured out a way to use the limited amount of talent on the defense and confuse quarterbacks. He's yeah. really done a really great job. San Francisco, to me, I mean, who the heck are they right. to be nine point favorites? Yeah, over anybody. Falcons? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, what's amazing I, to me is is I look at this, and Atlanta is averaging less than nineteen points a game. And yeah. yet here they are, just one game under 500. And frankly, Matt Ryan has stunk. <laughs> he has, he has. But you know who? And hasn't? I've always been a big fan of his. Yeah, you know who hasn't though is is Cordero Patterson. Cordero, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. the guy, the the ageless wonder. Yeah. Seriously, I yep. mean, he's been he's been outstanding uh, as a wide receiver at running back position. Uh, this is a bad matchup for the 49ers to me really is a bad matchup for them i don't i don't think this is good for them okay i think that atlanta even though that atlanta will will probably have to defend the run and they're not great at that the cornerbacks for the san francisco 49ers are not very good and they sh and the falcons should be able to throw the ball on them so to me it's a much closer game i'm gonna take the atlanta falcons to win this game i i you know i'm picking all the dogs this week here so we got to come through and i'll tell you why all the favorites won last week 
you're going to see a lot of angry uh, angry bookmakers <laughs> if the if the dogs don't come through this week. So they want their money back. All right, interesting game here. Cincinnati, again, the a team that you don't know what to expect from them. I mean, if they play like they played in the second half last week, this could be a different kind of game. Denver Broncos, same thing. You know, you, you've kind of been – you were on the Broncos for a while there, but, you know, again, you don't know what to expect from them. Cincinnati at Denver. Denver is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Boy, the Bengals have really been road warriors this year. I mean, they've, they've played much better on the road than they have at home. Yeah, they're four and two on the um, road. Yeah, uh, the only problem is they haven't won a game on the road. They've won one game on the road since week eight. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, yeah. and, and, and one of the games they lost was the Jets. Right. So, you know, to me, I mean, the Bengals have just been so hit or miss right now. And again, like that AFC North, um, you know, Burrow, Burrow's numbers in the first seven games were quite good. The number of the last six games have come down dramatically. Right. Um, so, you know, to me, I think this could be a much tougher matchup for Cincinnati than you think. And I, and to, and, and Denver, you know, listen, Denver is, is the king of, you never know. Right. But I, I do think that they present a challenge in the sense that their defensive front is going to get after Burrow. And I can't trust the Cincinnati offensive line right now. No. I mean, no. it, it's been a mess. Yep. It's a complete mess. Riley reef, their guard is, is questionable again this week. So he's one of their best players. I mean, uh, you for have Bradley Chubb coming around the edge. The one thing Denver does well is they play a very physical style brand of defense and that could keep them in this game. Uh, they've been much better in the red zone and much better on third down. And I think they're going to try and run the football on Cincinnati. So I'm going to take Denver at home to get a big win. All right. This next one, again, it's one of those on the face of it. You say, this is an easy pick. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are at the Rams. The Rams are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Obviously, the Rams coming off that huge victory, but to me, this is a classic case, a classic chance for a letdown. You've got a Seattle team that's coming in with some confidence. I, I realize it was Houston, but they still a 20-point victory last week. They beat San Francisco the week before, so they've won two in a row. Uh, coming in maybe with a little bit of swagger. Uh, can they keep this thing close? Oh, absolutely. I think they can keep it close. This is a classic spot. I think you're 100% right. It's a letdown spot for the Rams. Uh, you always want to fade that Monday night winner. And I and the problem is, too, in this game is that both teams are dealing with COVID issues. Right. So, you know, we're not sure if Odell Beckham's going to be able to play in this game. We're not sure if Tyler Lockett's going to be able to play in this game. You know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of up in the air things about this game. But I do know one guy that's going to play in this game, and that's Russell Wilson. Right. I'll tell you that. Now, here's the great thing about Seattle and how they've played much better. Seattle has, as they do every year, in the beginning of the year, they let Russ cook and do his thing and throw the ball around. He has great numbers, and by the middle of the year, that starts to wane over, and they realize, huh, maybe we should run the ball more. <laughs> and, and, and Eureka, right. it works. Right. So, you know, Rashad Penny had a huge game last week. Um, look, I think Seattle will get after the Rams this week at their run game, and they're playing much better defensively. The Seahawks are starting to just kind of grind out games and figure out how to play as as they need to play as a team. And I do think that they're going to have success, and that's why I'm going to pick them to pull the upset. Wow, <laughs> it's upset city, Seattle Seahawks against the Los Angeles Rams. I love the Seahawks this week. Well, and think about this. If they happen to win this game, their next game is home against Chicago. That's a game that they could win. So mm -hmm. now all of a sudden they're 7-8. and eight. Then they play 
at home against the Detroit Lions. Now they're a 500 team going into the last week of the season. Now they got to finish the game. They got to finish the season at Arizona, but they are in a position if they can win this game this week, they can be another one of those teams in the playoff mix. As silly as that sounds right now, considering where they were at three and eight just a couple of weeks ago. And don't sleep on this situation either. If Arizona has this division lapped up, I mean, oh, yeah, there could true. be a possibility yeah, that they just point. sit everybody, yeah. and Seattle could be Ooh. going in to try and win to get in situation. I guess so, the only the only th- the only way that would change is I would guess is if depending on what Arizona, I mean, what Tampa and Green Bay do, and what what we're talking about for seeding, if they've still got right. a shot for that number one seed, they're obviously not going to do that. But but you're right. I mean, that is a, that is a distinct possibility. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, last one I got for you, and again, another team that you, I'm ready to bury them. We're ready to fire Zimmer last week, and Minnesota is now all of a sudden in good, well, not good position, but they're in playoff position right now at 6-7. and seven. They are on the road this week at Chicago, a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Will the real Minnesota Vikings please stand up? <laughs> I don't think they have. I don't think they're capable. I think they got two broken legs. <laughs> I mean, they just. I, I, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get out of that team week in, week out. It's, it's one week, and it really, it's half to half. Right. You're dealing with it. I mean, yeah. last week they killed the they killed the Steelers in the first half, and then second half of the game, all of a sudden, you know, Pittsburgh finds a way, and they're saying, "Hey, we got a chance to win this game at the end." Right. So. Minnesota, I mean, they just they figure out ways to find how to keep things close. And, you know, I'll tell you something else. I actually really like the way Justin Fields has played. Yeah, I, I, I do. Okay. I think that outside of Mac Jones, I think he's been the best rookie quarterback uh, just because he's his athletic ability keeps him alive in so many different situations. Mm-hmm. He's still staring down receivers and he's going to have to get that get that beaten out of him a little bit. But, you know, I think <laughs> literally. That, I uh, literally, yeah, but I I do think that 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 he's actually playing a little bit better. Heck, the Bears were beating on the beating the Packers at halftime last right. week. True. They had a chance there. I mean, yeah. you know, there's still some fight left in the Bears. Not enough for me to pick them to upset the game though, because <laughs> you know, to me, look, Minnesota is much better at home, but the Bears are just dreadful i mean they're just dreadful defensively yep. right now they're so hurt and banged up yep. and and i do think as 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 i think i think they keep this close i think there's a good chance they could even cover the number okay uh but i just i can't see them beating the vikings on monday night last thing i got for you this week my friend coming up on saturday we have the lending tree bowl <laughs> Liberty oh against Eastern Michigan in the Lending Tree Bowl. Liberty is a nine-point favorite. Do they That's, cover? Do they cover? Uh, this going to be a fun game. This yeah. going to be a fun game. I think uh, Eastern Michigan. Know, the last, are they in the MAC? They're in the MAC. Yeah, yeah they're in the MAC. Okay. So uh, they 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 did not win the MAC title this year. Um, but that went to Northern Illinois, but the, uh, they're, they're not a bad team. They have usually pretty good defense. Um, so I, I've seen Eastern Michigan play one time this year. Um, but, uh, I would say for Malik in his last game, Malik Willis, who you'll hear about plenty, a draft, uh, draft prospect 2022, probably going in the first round. Uh, I think that it's going to be coming a, a leaving party for him. You know, like yep. I think that I think that's how they'll brand it. Like 
let's just show off in this game and saw the boys practicing and it's 75 degree weather here. <laughs> so, you know, I saw the boys practicing the other day with coach freeze and, you know, I think they look ready and they're excited to go down to mobile and kick some tails. So yes, they cover the number minus nine uh, in the lending tree pool. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. Dan, thanks very much uh, for being with us. Uh, we will have Dan on again next week. Now, next Friday is Christmas Eve, so we're going to tape it again on Thursday because everybody's got stuff to do on Christmas Eve. But, Dan, thanks very much for a few minutes, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Gene, God bless and Merry Christmas to you and uh, all the best. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Wake Up Call. And I promise... First of the new year, I'm going to have internet next week. We will be back to a five-day-a-week schedule, so you'll be stuck with me again once we uh, get things up and running down in North Carolina. For Dan Zampano, I'm Gene Gums. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.